Hey guys, hope all is well. Today we will be doing podcast number 13 with Lamar men's basketball assistant coach, Mikhail McLean. So why don't you give us some background about yourself? Uh, what's up, Lee, man? First off, I really appreciate you having me on your platform. Um, I love, you know, just sharing the game and growing game with others, man. So I appreciate you for that first off. Uh, yeah, Mikhail McLean, Lamar men's basketball. Um, I'm a native of the Bahamas from Nassau, Bahamas. Moved to Texas when I was about 14 years old to pursue basketball in high school. I was fortunate enough to receive a scholarship to the University of Houston, where I attended for five years. Um, in my time there, um, I was able to get an undergrad and a master's degree. Um, went on to join Coach Sampson's staff as a graduate assistant for one year in 2015. Um, and then following that year, I became a player development coach for the next five years. Uh, we had a lot of success, made it to the NCAA tournament one year made it to the Sweet 16 the following year, and then the year after was COVID. But then this year, we were fortunate enough to make it to the Final Four uh, where we lost to Baylor. So we had a historic year, um, played on the biggest platform. We had a lot of fan support, a lot of support from the community in Texas. And um, you know what? It's just been a tremendous honor because now I got to join Coach Brooks's staff here at Lamar University. And Coach Brooks was the coach that recruited me to the University of Houston out of high school. So I've been knowing Coach Brooks for about 11 years. Um, it's been a tremendous honor to work alongside him. Yeah, that's awesome. And we will talk about all of that on this podcast tonight. So first thing I want to talk, talk about with you is what was it like, like being recruited and like being put like on the map to go to Houston? Like, what was that like for you? Um, it was, you know, it was unique because uh, my sophomore year of high school, I committed to Rutgers University. Um, and you know what, it just, you know, it just ended up not working itself out. So I de decommitted about two, three months later on. So I was pretty wide open. And when I was younger, my freshman, sophomore, going into my junior year, I was just all about going to the biggest name possible. And, you know, I had I had looks from a lot of schools, but I decided that when I was ending my senior year, I commit I ended up signing in the spring. I wanted to go to a school that I would have the opportunity to one play right away and then a school that I would be able to, you know what, um, a school I attended. I wanted to be able to live there when I got done playing. So, uh, you know, I chose the university where that was the best fit for me, for my family, for my friends. Um, for my education and for my, my athletic ability. And the University of Houston ended up being that school. So it was tremendous, the recruiting process, um, being recruited by a lot of big schools, but then just being able to stay uh, home, per se, even though I'm from the Bahamas, just being in Houston my entire life, just being able to stay home there. And now I'm about an hour away from Houston in Beaumont, uh, Beaumont Texas, where Lamar University is located. When you say you were recruited by other big schools, like what were those other schools you, you were recruited by? Um, my uh, my sophomore year, um, I was recruited by Arizona State, Rutgers, Auburn, Arkansas, um, a lot of big schools. And then my, my I'm sorry, my that was my junior year. And then going into my senior year, when I, I kind of cleared the smoke and I realized that not all offers. I mean, there were real offers, but you know what? Like you, you got to go to a school that makes sense. And then so it came down to my final three schools were all schools that I would have the opportunity to start as a freshman. Um, one was the University of Houston. The other was Cleveland State University, where Norris Cole was at the time. Uh, he hosted me on the visit. And then the third was Detroit University, where Ray McCallum um, ended up going. We had a really good freshman class coming in if I had attended there. So um, three schools were schools where I had a unique opportunity to start right away as a freshman. So those are my last three. That's really cool. And like, what was the transition like being a player and then like 
being a coach? Like, what was that first transition like? It was, Lee, I, I appreciate you asking me that, man, because it was it was difficult. Um, I, I got done playing the 2014, 2015 season, and then I had about maybe a month off just to kind of enjoy, you know, retirement or retire, enjoy not playing basketball. And then I'm back on the sidelines and I'm with guys that, you know, I was the captain of the team my senior year. So now I go from being a player to being a coach to guys that, you know, what I lived with. Um, I used to party with, I used to do like, you know, uh, blood, sweat and tears with. So now I'm trying to find my way and find my path. And I learned very quickly that the adjustment couldn't happen overnight. It took me about two years to kind of fully accept and adjust into that role as a coach, because it was just really hard trying to demand stuff out of the guys um, that were just my teammates. So um, it wasn't an easy transition. Um, coach Sampson is a great leader. Um, although I didn't, the thing about coaching that it took me the longest adjustment to was just um, earning those guys respect as a coach, as opposed to as a friend and as a, as a brother, you know what I mean? So I learned, you know, video, I learned the X's and O's. I learned all of the, the stuff that you do as a coach, but now the relationship side on the other side of the fence was the thing I made, uh, that was the toughest adjustment, but you know, once I figured it out, it was magical. I was able to have that synergy as a former player now coach and guys could trust me with information they wouldn't talk to other guys with and you know what some of those things did stay between me and you but you know like being able to trust me and then knowing that okay this is something that although they trust me with this is very important information that we need to we need to address we need to get it under control you know so that was pretty cool yeah like what was something like like what was something you learned like be, from being a player like what did what did you take away from that and like looking back on it now? Uh, you know, I think, you know, the biggest thing and the thing that I, my my first, I don't even want to say my entire time in Houston, my biggest thing was trying to be a mentor to the guys on the team, you know, because when you're a player, like everything doesn't always make sense. Sometimes you don't understand why you're not getting playing time. Sometimes you don't understand why you're doing this, this, and this, and you're still not getting your shots. Sometimes you don't understand why the coach is coaching you so hard. And having somebody that you can turn to and you can talk to that you can trust that, okay, like maybe that person wants to express his frustrations with the head coach. If it's something that's reasonable where I can be like, okay, I understand your frustrations, but this is the reason why he's doing it. I can have that conversation with them. But if it ever, it never got to this point, but if ever was a conversation where they're just mother effing the coach and they feel as though they're being mistreated. And I can say like, Hey, like, first off, that's my boss. That's your leader. We don't talk about anybody that way. So if you want to have that conversation, you need to be able to have that conversation with him face to face. So, you know, just being able to mentor those guys through tough patches, you know, trying to keep those guys level-headed when they're playing really well and let them know that you so you're as good as your last game. So you got to stay level-headed. You got to stay humble and hungry. So those things were really important to me. Yeah. Like when you brought up like, brought up like tough patches, like COVID-19 was definitely a tough patch. Like for a lot of people, like what things have you learned about the game of basketball and the coaching business during the COVID-19 pandemic? Man, I learned um, as a mentor slash coach with my team, I just learned how important it was to stay on those guys and stay in their guys' ears and keep them engaged. Because you know what, at some point, every single member of our staff outside of four people, our staff, our managers, our players, we had, we had almost every member of our, our program get COVID at some point and we got them in different, different stretches. So, you know, when guys are, 
at home and they can't be there, like still sending them practice film and, and sending them old highlights of good stuff that they did and bad stuff that they did, just keeping them engaged and sometimes just sending them a funny quote or a funny movie to watch. Just trying to keep those guys' minds stimulated so they can stay as locked in as possible because obviously they're going to be out of shape when they get back, but they still need to have that razor-sharp approach when they step foot on the court. So that's one of the things I really focused on as a coach. And then, you know, in terms of development as a coach, I the pandemic was the biggest blessing that ever happened to me because, it, you know, I was always comfortable making new connections, but I really stepped outside of my comfort zone. And you know what, like Lee, that's how me and you met, honestly, like just making connections with people all over the country, people I'd never met before, people I had no relationship with. And you know what, just finding a way to get to know them, um, let them get to know me, show some skills that I have. Um, if it's something I want to take from, kind of share that knowledge with them and just break it all down. And just being able to network and connect with so many different people has been the biggest blessing to me in the pandemic. Yeah, like for me, like that was something I learned to like being able to connect with people like you, like who like I've never met before and like being able to like share like ideas of basketball like, and just being able to learn from one another. And like that was something that's been great, like during this, during the pandemic. And I want to talk about your final four run with Houston and life inside the bubble. So if you can talk about that, would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, uh, no problem. Yeah, the run was, uh, it was nothing short of magical. Um, the It was crazy, man, because like we were literally, um, it, let me backtrack. Let me start by saying this. Everything I'm saying, I have no complaints about my experience in the bubble, but I'm just going to explain what it was for those that weren't there so they can kind of understand the severity of it, how crazy it is, the mental toughness that it takes. So we arrived in Indianapolis. Um, let's say our first game was on Friday. We arrived on Tuesday afternoon and the first 48 hours almost, we weren't um, allowed to leave the room. We were stuck in a bubble. Um, we're stuck in our hotel room. Every single player, coach and manager has to have their their own room and every single team has their entire floor to themselves so we get to the hotel we're in the hotel um we get three meals a day that are delivered to the room and uh those meals were uh they weren't the best i'll, I'll just be completely honest they weren't the best so you know you just kind of sitting in your room we kind of we kind of went to indianapolis we all had snacks so we kind of survived off of the snacks because the meals weren't the best while we were stuck in the room in quarantine so we're watching film um, via Zoom sessions with the team. We're having coaches meeting. We're breaking down film, preparing for our opponent, Cleveland State, via Zoom calls. And then when we finally got released from the room, it was like, OK, we're out of here. Like, let's get to it just to find out that the practice gym is in the is in the hotel. So we're going downstairs to a ballroom. As soon as you get done with your practice, you return back to your rooms and then if there's a meal there's like a meal room that you go to but once you leave that meal room you have to go straight back to your room because they don't want to have any contact tracing per se so it was crazy man like the fitness center was really high level they put together in like a ballroom they got like six different areas that they kind of allocated and made that a fitness center um that was available for the for the for the players and the teams and the coaches can't, couldn't really use it so we just kind of had like treadmills we had access to in the gym so when we got done with a practice we'd use like the treadmill get a couple miles in and uh man but it was crazy man like as crazy as it was it was really unique because 
the games, there were barely any fans. I think it might have been like 25% capacity. So that experience that you get from playing in the NCAA tournament, it was the same, but it wasn't the same because you don't have the loud, hectic crowds. You don't have the fan support. It's kind of just you and your team in that arena. And like, although there were fans there, they weren't very loud. Like, so you never really got impacted by the fans. So it was really a mental toughness thing because um, we, you know, playing half of the year with really barely any fans, then playing the tournament with barely any fans. You don't get that extra juice and adrenaline rush that you would typically get. So, man, we, we the ball's thrown up in there. We play Cleveland State, and it felt like we were playing like a scrimmage at home with no fans, man. Like, it just wasn't very loud. The emotion, the adrenaline game came from the team, from the bench. And that was my favorite thing about the tournament was that, um, the best, the best, the best teams had the best energetic benches. So like the teams where the benches were live, they were uprooted, they were shouting, they were screaming, they're making noise while the other team shooting free throws. It was just a lot of fun. And it kind of reminded you like an old school AU game. That's kind of what it felt like in the tournament. Yeah. And like in the tournament, like during your final four run, you guys ended up, you guys played Syracuse along the way. The way. So like, what was that game like? And like, later on like after syracuse after syracuse game uh man syracuse was the uh it was a very difficult game to prepare for because you go from having your entire package of stuff that you run on offense to literally playing nothing but zone offense and at the time buddy Beheim was on a magical kimball walker-esque uh run in the tournament so we i mean uh myself and coach kellen we had the scouts so we stayed up. I mean, I, I think our first three nights preparing for that, we were up until probably 3 a.m. just trying to figure out how we could defend Buddy on pin down actions, on stagger actions, and all the different stuff that they ran. And then having everybody else, Girier was there, um, all of the talented kids, the uh, the big Doza, those, 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 um, all of those guys, it was really, really talented, and they played a five-out style of offense, so it, it kind of shifted our defense because we're used to defending pick and rolls and um, guys throwing it into the block, and now we're defending five guys that could all dribble, shoot, and pass. So um, it was really unique. Um, our guys were laser focused for the scout. And the thing that probably helped was how much exposure Buddy Beheim was getting on the TV. So our guys that were matched up with him really wanted that matchup. And they took pride in trying to win that matchup. And, you know, we're fortunate that, you know, he missed a couple open shots, but our guys really followed the game plan. Then we just executed our offensive sets against his own. So it was really, um, really neat. Um, preparing for that scout, preparing for that game and getting that win and then getting ready to play Oregon State the next game. And we kind of came out guns blazing because we had so much momentum. And Oregon State kind of, you know, they junkied up the defense. They played a 1-3-1 defense against us in the second half that we really struggled to score against, even though that we knew that it was coming. But I think credit goes to Syracuse because that was such a tough game. Our legs went under us later on. But Oregon State was a tremendous game. They were very, very well coached. And then Baylor, was the best team that I'd ever seen in college basketball in my seven years as a coach. And then my four years, my five years as a player. So there's that. Wow. Like when you were saying like Baylor was the best team you've ever seen, like I remember like after the national championship game, when Baylor beat Gonzaga, like, I remember like my dad posting on Twitter, like Baylor is the best college basketball team he's seen. Like it's just like, a lot of people just loved that Baylor team and just how they were able to play together and like led by Jared Butler and 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 Dave, Dave Mitchell and just how ex, like the experience they had playing together like playing as a team and congrats to them but also congrats to you guys for making that historic Final Four run and yeah. 
talking about another experience you had, which was coaching the Bahamas national team this summer. So like, if you can talk about that too, would be greatly appreciated. And before I even talk about the Bahamas team, I just got to talk about that Baylor team because they were, they were, they were very well coached one. They were extremely tough two, And then they were extremely talented and skilled. And they were like, they, uh, their guards, man, they all can get it off the dribble. They all can play in pick and rolls. They all can play in isolations and they can beat you in a, in a, a, a plethora of different ways. And then when they miss their shots, their bigs are trained just like our bigs are trained to offensive rebounds. So it's just really, really hard to prepare for them. And, um, you know what, obviously we'll probably change a couple of things. If we played them again, man, but just uh, credit to Baylor, man. They were a really, really good team. So, but uh, my experience with the Bahamas team, man, it was really cool. It was something I kind of always wanted to do. I was supposed to do it last year, but then COVID happened. So when I was offered the extended the opportunity to do it this year, um, you know what, I was fortunate enough that my head coach allowed me to do it. Um, I was able to step away and it didn't impact um, recruit my recruiting schedule because um, our recruiting periods didn't start until July. So, and man, it was a really, really cool experience. Um, we played against Cuba, El Salvador, and Costa Rica. And, uh, man, those teams were really well coached, man. They had a lot of talented kids, um, talented men. I'm, let me let me retract that statement. These are grown men that we're playing against. And we, our team was full of grown men and a couple young guys. We had a, a young kid from high school. I can't talk about him on the podcast because that would be, you know, illegal. But, yeah, we had a really talented team. We're really young. Um, and the thing that made that, that those games were so important because it got us into the next round of qualifiers next summer. And then next summer, we'll have DeAndre Aiden, we'll have Kai Jones, we'll have Buddy Hill and a couple other guys that are really talented behaviors that just, you know, they wouldn't play until we got to the big game. So now that those three wins gets us to the next round. And then those will be the qualifiers to get us into the World Cup for the future. So, man, it was really, really big for our country. It was really big for my family. It was really big for Lamar University, everybody um, that that I was able to get that opportunity and that we were able to be successful and get three wins. That's awesome. And congrats on the three wins and moving on to the next round. And before we get back to Lamar, I just wanted to go a little bit um, like I wanted to sidetrack a bit and talk about one of your former players, Landon, who was on the Bachelorette. So like, what was that like having one of your players be on that, be on the show? It, it was really cool, man. Um, you know, I, I kind of talked Landon into it and I can't go into detail about everything, but I kind of always said, man, Landon, you would be perfect for reality TV. Like his personality, his demeanor, the way he looks, like he's just built for that stuff, man. And we just kind of joked about it. Like, man, would you ever consider doing this show? And he's like, man, I love that show. I watched it all the time. And so he ended up, you know, signing up for it. I uh, heard back from them about four months later and he crushed his interviews, man. He was a favorite to win it, but you know, things didn't work out. He wasn't the right fit for Katie. So it was just really, really cool. Just the leading into it, the amount of, you know, the social media talking about it, um, the people making fun of him and his hair and his nickname and all that stuff. So it was just really, really cool just to kind of see uh, a former player on TV and a former co-worker because he was a graduate assistant with us for a year before that so it was pretty neat yeah that's really cool how you were able to help him out with that and now back to Lamar like what is it like for Lamar to join the Western Athletic Conference this season it is uh it, it is it's it's right on time um I I'm I'm happy we got this job I'm happy I'm able to join Coach Brooks but 
Um, you know, Lamar has underachieved in a sense, you know, because of some reasons outside of their control, some things they could have. But for us to get this job when they're joining a conference that has the likes of Grand Canyon, New Mexico State, Seattle University, Cal Baptist, UTRGV, Abilene Christian, Stephen F. Austin, Sam Houston, uh, Tarleton State, like the amount of talent that's in this team, I honestly think that it's a two-bid league. But, you know, we have to, uh, the, the league has to demand that by winning games, winning big non-conference games. So joining this uh, was just right at the right time. And we, uh, it forced us to put, it didn't force us, we, we plan on putting together a really good team, but it forced us to put it together a really good team um, really early on. So on paper, man, I think, you know, our team's really talented. Um, our team will be very tough. We'll be very well coached. We'll defend at a high level. We'll make shots at a high level. So um, I think, you know, it's just God, God forbid, we just pray that we just have a healthy season um, so that we could just, you know, do our best. And if we don't, we'll just, you know, control what we can control, man. So it's a great year for Lamar University. Um, we're excited for the future in this conference. We're just really excited for the season. What preview can you give us on this upcoming season? Like, with like the games you guys are going to be playing, like especially non-conference. I might be wrong, but I heard you guys are playing Mississippi State. So like, if you can talk about that, would be greatly appreciated. And this is like the final section of the podcast. Yeah, uh, no worries. No, um, yeah, we uh, we got a couple of games. I don't know how much I could talk about. Mississippi State is one of them. Uh, we'll play Texas Tech. Uh, we'll play Georgia Tech and uh, we'll play Miami of Ohio, a couple of Texas schools, man. So I can't go into full detail, but those are three of the big games we'll play. So, man, we're, we're really excited, man. It's going to be a fun year. Uh, we got a couple road games. We got a couple home games and our guys are fired up, man. Like I said, we put together a roster that we think is competitive enough to compete in every one of the games that we play this year. So uh, we're just 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 praying for good health, um, for safe travels and all that stuff, man. We're excited. Yeah, I'm really excited to watch you guys play, and I'm really excited for this upcoming season. And thank you so much for coming on this podcast, and thank you to everyone who will be listening to this podcast, and have a great night.